We now bring you the Tabernacle Pulpit Podcast, featuring the late Dr. Harold B. Seitler, founding pastor of Tabernacle Baptist Church and Ministries in Greenville, South Carolina. And now, today's edition of the Tabernacle Pulpit Podcast. All right, now your Bible is open to the second epistle of John, page 1326 in your Schofield Reference Bible. I want to bring you a message today on a doctrine. And I don't want you, as I suggested a moment ago, to become frightened. Uh, when I was a young man, I never shall forget how I felt when my pastor uh, said, I'm going to bring you a doctrinal sermon. I, in my soul, I'd say, I wish you wouldn't. I'd rather you preach on Joseph or Moses. But now I look back on those days and I say how wonderful it was to have had a pastor that preached out of Romans and taught us the doctrines of the Bible. And I think that's one reason, if I am anything, I am because I was taught in uh, doctrine and had doctrine preached to me and doctrine was emphasized and uh, not to the killing now, the letter killeth, the spirit maketh alive. I think if you preach doctrine only as doctrine without the spirit, it would not do what it ought to do. But when doctrine is mixed with the spirit, then uh, you have the truth of God upon which we can build a spiritual life and a Christian life. Now, what is doctrine? I, if I were to ask you to write on a piece of paper what doctrine is, I wonder if you could give me a good uh, definition of the term. What is doctrine? Well, you may check your dictionary when you go home and take the time to do so and find out what the dictionary might say. Uh, sometimes a dictionary, when it comes to spiritual matters, doesn't always give the answer that I would rather you have. Uh, most of the cases, I have no criticism of the dictionary, be a little bit presumptuous on my part if I began criticizing the dictionary, and I don't, except at that one point of spiritual things. Uh, for example, sanctification may mean something to me that the dictionary would just miss altogether. And uh, tithing to me might mean something to me that the dictionary would miss altogether, you see. And probably would. I haven't checked the dictionary on tithing. I don't know whether my uh, uh, definition of tithing would par with theirs or not. But I have checked a few spiritual words in the dictionary and found that sometimes the uh, dictionary doesn't give the full impact of that spiritual word that I feel like ought to be given. Now, what is doctrine? Here is uh, what doctrine amounts to. Doctrine is truth in relation to God and eternal life. Doctrine is truth in relation to God and eternal life. Now that's my definition of what doctrine uh, is, is all about. You remember Pilate one time said to the Savior, what is truth? And the Lord didn't bother to answer Pilate. And I think the reason the Lord didn't answer Pilate was because uh, Pilate probably was not in a position uh, to receive what the Lord would have said or could have said about truth. Pilate died, as far as we know, an unbeliever without God. And uh, Jesus was not in the business of casting pearls before swine. And so he made no answer to Pilate when Pilate said, what is truth? Had the Lord answered Pilate, uh, he could have, by the way, in just one or two words, he could have said, I am truth. But had the Lord said to Pilate, I am truth, I don't think Pilate would have responded to that. Now, me and you do. I have no argument against it. So far as I'm concerned, the Lord Jesus is truth 
uh, in person. The personification of truth is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's the ultimate. He's the ultimate. He's the Alpha and Omega as far as truth is concerned. And I'm completely satisfied had he said, I am truth. I would accept that. I doubt if Pilate would have accepted that. And that could have been the reason the Lord made no answer. But doctrine is truth in relation to God and eternal life. Now there's some basic doctrines in the Bible, and I'm not going to commence to enumerate those doctrines to you today. I'd rather uh, approach the subject as to, uh, uh, along this line, as to what doctrine does for me and you, and how we are to apply doctrine in our lives, you see, as we grow in grace and knowledge, what we can glean from doctrine. The benefit that we get from doctrine is the way I want to approach the subject. Now I can mention many doctrines. There is a doctrine rather, uh, for example, of the resurrection. Now the Bible, as far as I'm concerned, gives us all the truth about the resurrection. Not only the resurrection of the Savior, but the Bible gives us all the truth about my resurrection and yours, some golden daybreak. Now resurrection is a basic Bible doctrine. Then the amount of inspiration. Now when I say inspiration in relation to the Bible, all of you that hear me know exactly and immediately what I mean. I mean by inspiration that this Bible you have in your hand, out of which I now preach, is God-breathed. It's the very Word of God, not only containing the Word of God, but the very Word of God. Every bit of it, to the dotting of the I, to the crossing of the T, every bit of it is God-breathed. Now that's what I mean about uh, inspiration. Now to me, that's a basic Bible doctrine. Uh, can you imagine what kind of Bible you'd have if you believe the Bible was inspired only as the works of Shakespeare, or if you believe the Bible is inspired only as the songbook you have in your hand, out of which you sang a moment ago, now there's a certain inspiration involved in the songbook. Those writers of the song uh, were inspired in a way when they wrote the melody and the words of those songs. You and I had the privilege of having Dr. Charles Weigel stand where I now stand, and relate to me and you the story of no one ever cared for me like Jesus. And most of you remember that very fascinating story behind that famous and beloved beautiful song, No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus. Now after the story, after all the incidents that led up to the writing of that song, it was then that Dr. Weigel had the inspiration. And with that inspiration that he had, he wrote the song, No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus. Now that's inspiration in a way, but that's not the kind of inspiration I'm talking about when, I, when I'm talking about the Bible, you see. The Bible is inspired in a different way from that kind of inspiration. I, I believe that every songwriter, if the song's worth singing, I had an inspiration when he wrote it. Preachers have inspirations when they preach. But we're not inspired in the sense that Matthew was and Mark was and Luke was when they wrote the Bible, you see. By that inspiration we mean that every jot and tittle, every word written down in the Bible was overshadowed and directed by God the blessed Holy Spirit. That holy bit of old wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, inspired by the Spirit. 
Now, if, if you didn't believe that about the Bible, you might as well close it up and lay it aside. The Bible is no more than any other work of literature uh, if it's not verbally inspired. If it's inspired only as Shakespeare was, if it's inspired only as Dr. Weigel was, if it's inspired only as I'm inspired when I preach, then we might as well close it and lay it aside and, and read the newspaper or the magazines or any other, any other kind of publication because the Bible is no more than that. But a doctrine that you and I hold our bosom and champion and defend and proclaim is a doctrine we call inspiration. And by that we mean the verbal, inspired, God-breathed book, the Bible. Then I can mention the doctrine of blood atonement. Atonement only by the blood. Salvation only by the blood. Not by works of righteousness, but only by the blood we're redeemed. Now that's a basic cardinal doctrine of the scriptures. Not by the law, nor by works, or worth, or by sacraments, but only by the scriptures. I was listening to a, a man on the radio yesterday in my car as I rode, and he was talking about coming to church today and receiving the sacraments. Well, now, he was not a Baptist, by the way. Baptists uh, don't administer sacraments. But what he meant by that, if you'll come to church today, we'll give you what he called communion, which is a sacrament to him. And you eat that bread and drink the fruit of that vine, and by so doing, you receive the divine nature of God, and you're being saved by receiving the sacrament. No, no, my friend. No, I don't believe sacrament. You won't find the word sacrament, by the way, in the Bible. And, and sacraments to me are not doctrine. That's man's tradition and man's religion. Uh, but there are many doctrines in the Bible. Blood atonement, I suggest. That is a basic, foundational truth upon which we build our church and our hope and our lives. I can mention the doctrine of the second coming. The doctrine of the coming again of our Lord. We had some of that in our Sunday school lesson today in Isaiah 26. And we'll have more on next Sunday in Isaiah 27. The doctrine of the second coming of our Lord. A basic elementary doctrine in the Bible. Now these things, I'm not going to deal with them one at a time and tell you what all of them involve as a, as a basic doctrine of the scriptures. But I want us to look at doctrine as a whole. And see the importance of doctrine. Uh, in our church, in our personal lives, in this pulpit, in the Sunday school class where you are. The importance of doctrine. To try to build a church without doctrine is like trying to build a skyscraper without a foundation. To try to build a church without doctrine is like trying to paint a picture without color. You see, it just isn't what it ought to be without doctrine. It's another fancy and folly to imagine that a church could exist, to say nothing of precist, without doctrine upon which to build. Basic doctrine is a foundation, an absolute foundation, without which no church could be founded, without which no individual could grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Somebody said, now, Brother Harold, it doesn't make much difference what people believe. And there's no need to strain it on that and swallow a camel. There is no need to be so tight-laced as you Baptist people are. 
Why have contention over doctrine? Why not let every man believe what he chooses to believe? Well, my friend, uh, the, the, the thing wrong with that is that it's just not scriptural. And I have a lot of scripture that would forbid my allowing myself to believe anything that I want to believe. And I'm going to give you some of those scriptures today. I have much scripture that would forbid you from the liberty of believing what you want to believe. Years ago, I had uh, a man approach me, an older man than I am, a minister, I'll not call names, but I was talking with him and he said to me, uh, that was after Tabernacle was born, though we were young and early in our, in our existence as a church, but he suggested to me, he said, now what, what Greenville needs is a place where everybody can come. And, uh, and, and doctrine will not be the main point of issue. And that if a man wants to come into the church, uh, then he may not believe exactly as you believe, but he'd be welcome with open arms to come on into the church. Now what he was saying was, what we need in Greenville is a place where the Methodists can join, and the Presbyterians can join, and the Baptists can join, and the Pentecostal can join. Anybody that professes faith in the Savior can join. And uh, there'll never be any mention of doctrine. It'll never be a bone of contention. It'll, it'll make no demands upon the people. We need that kind of a church in Greenville. Well, the man was older than I was, and I dare not answer an elder or rebuke an elder. And I still practice that same policy, by the way. But I thought to myself, uh, sir, you're as wrong as you can be. Greenville doesn't need that. No, it doesn't. Greenville needs a church built upon a proper foundation. And the only church in Greenville that's going to amount to a row of beans is a church built on the right foundation. And the only church in Greenville that's going to persevere is the church that has the proper foundation. And the only church that's going to endure the test and the test of multitudes will be the church built upon the proper foundation. Now you say, well, I don't agree with you, Pastor. Well, you may not, but I still hold to that conviction. That a foundation, a doctrinal foundation, is an absolute essential in the prosperity of any local church. Now, when I hold to certain doctrines, it isn't that I'm, I desire to be contentious. That's not the point. And when you charge me, or charge Tabernacle, with being contentious because we embrace certain basic, cardinal, foundational doctrines of the Bible, you're falsely charging me. It's not a matter of being contentious. It's not a matter of, uh, of trying to cause trouble, God forbid. Not that at all. But it's a matter of sincere Bible conviction on the part of the pastor and the people. I don't think we have any choice. Now let me illustrate. If, we, if you and I live till the fifth Sunday in this month, we'll take the flowers off the communion table and and our deacons will see that the communion will be ready for you. And we'll have communion service. And I look forward to that every fifth Sunday night. I, I sincerely look forward to it. It means something to me uh, to take communion with you. Now, we'll take the bread. And we'll also take the fruit of the vine. And we'll consume it. Now, we do that to show forth the Lord's death until he come again. We do that to remember the Lord. And that's all. That's the only reason. 
It's a memorial service commemorating and remembering our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we do it. And that's why you tarry and we pass the bread and the fruit of the vine and you consume it. Because you too desire to show forth the Lord's death until he come again the second time. And that's why you partake of communion. Now, suppose between now and fifth Sunday, I would have changed my ideas about communion. And I wouldn't have to go far to have them changed if I listened to some people. That's right. I wouldn't have to leave the city of Greenville to change my convictions about that bread. Revolutionary. Completely reverse my convictions about that bread. I would have to leave Greenville to get a, a strange doctrine and a new doctrine about that fruit of the vine we're going to drink. I sure would. Suppose I would have stand in the pulpit and say, now, folk, uh, you meet us fifth Sunday night. We're going to take the bread. And if you'll take that bread and eat that bread, you are receiving a sacrament. And by receiving that sacrament, you are receiving eternal life. And you're being saved if you'll take that bread and eat that bread. You're being saved. Now, if I did a thing like that, if the deacons of this church are what I think they are, and I have great confidence in the deacons and all of the deacons, but the men of this church, if the men of our church are what I believe they are, some of them would come to me and they say, now preacher, explain yourself. We don't understand that. We don't believe that. And you explain your, your, your word in that pulpit. And why did you make that change? Why do you call that bread a sacrament? Why do you tell people that by taking that bread, you're being saved? Oh, but somebody said, it doesn't make any difference. The interdenominationalists would say that. It doesn't make any difference. The non-denominationalists would say that. It makes no difference. If a man wants to believe that it's a sacrament, let him believe that it's a sacrament. If a man wants to believe that it's only a symbol, let him believe that it's only a symbol. Oh, my soul, that's the point. It makes all the difference in the world. What folk believe right at that point, you see. If men can be saved by receiving the sacrament, and I say that in quotation marks, then the blood of Jesus is of none effect. Right. If men can be saved by receiving the bread as a sacrament and from that bread receive divine grace, then faith is of none effect. And the truth of the body is, if I were to make a suggestion like that, I would destroy the very foundation upon which Tabernacle Baptist Church is built. And we can't do that, you see. We can't do that and survive. And if I were to do that, it would destroy Tabernacle Baptist Church and destroy the effectiveness of our people. And God could not honor, God could not bless our church if I were to do such a thing as that. No, doctrine is important, greatly important. It may not be as interesting as the stories of the Bible are. What boy doesn't fascinate when I become fascinated when I tell the story of David with his five stones and his slain, slaying Goliath? Brother, that's a big story, and I like to tell that story. I like preaching from that chapter. What person in the Bible isn't fascinated and thrilled when I tell how Moses put his foot in the Red Sea and an east wind blew the water and stood it up on either side and they walked over on dry ground? I fascinate over that, brother. 
That's something. What one of us aren't thrilled when I remind you that God sent manna, a little wafer about that size, sweet. And those Israelites ate that manna for 40 years and survived. That's a tremendous story, and I love to preach on that. Amen. What one of us don't get excited when I remind you that one day a chariot swung down and Elijah stepped on board and went to heaven without dying. Only two men ever got out of this world without dying, and one of them was Elijah, and the other was Enoch. That's a fascinating story. Now, I love to hear those stories too, but wait, wait a minute. How about doctrine? You say, well, that's rather boring. Maybe boring, but brother, it's a foundation. And I could tell you all those stories, plus many others. But if I don't have a foundation upon which to tell those stories, they become tinkling cymbal and sounding brass. The thing that make those stories live and bless and fascinate is the fact that they're founded upon the doctrine of the Word of God. The foundation is there, you see. And so doctrine is very important. Now with those words, I want to read to you just a verse or two. From 2 John, look at verse number 8. Look to yourselves, that we lose not those sayings which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ. In the doctrine of Christ. What is the doctrine of Christ? Well, the doctrine of Christ involves the preexistence of Christ. It involves the virgin birth of Christ. The doctrine of Christ involves the atonement of Christ. It involves the resurrection of Christ. It involves the priesthood of Christ. It involves the coming again of Christ. It also involves the authority of Christ. Now if a man will transgress the doctrine of Christ and abide not in the doctrine of Christ, what does John say? He hath not God. Now he may be a church member, but he's not right with God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine of Christ, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed, for he that biddeth him God's speed becomes a partaker of his evil deeds. The doctrine of Christ. Now a few things about doctrine that I'd love to call to your mind. I'd remind you first of all, doctrine, the foundation upon which we build our church. And I mean by the word our church or the church, I mean tabernacle. Or any other local congregation of born again baptized believers. Doctrine is the foundation. Now you know that here's a building in which we now worship. And I appreciate the building at Tabernacle, the, the cleanliness of our building. Our, our custodian, Brother Stewart and his good wife, they work so hard to keep your house of God where you worship clean and acceptable. And they do such a good job. I'm so proud of the cleanliness. I'm so proud of the air conditioning, the heating system, and everything God's given us uh, here in our church. But you know that this building could not be a reality. It could not stand on this corner without a proper foundation. I shall never forget when Brother Sparks started building this building on June the 13th, 1956. The first dirt was turned on that day. And he had a bulldozer out here. And he took that bulldozer and dug the, the footing for the foundation of this building out, not with shovel, but with a bulldozer. 
And he went down till the uh, dirt was as red as it could be. Clay, solid clay. The foundation on this side of the building must be at least three or four feet deep. I mean, under what you can see, it goes down and down. And when he dug down to the solid red dirt, he put steel, a pound upon pound. I started to say ton upon ton, no doubt, maybe tons of steel. I don't know how much. But he put steel around that entire foundation. On the corners, he tied the steel together and then filled those trenches full of concrete. And it t- I thought he'd never get out of the ground. Took him weeks to get out of the ground, you see. That foundation around here, uh, that wide, I guess, three feet wide, two and a half feet in a way, and down three feet in red dirt, concrete and steel, all the corners tied together with steel. Now, why in the world did Brother Sparks go to that trouble? Why didn't he kick a little topsoil off and start laying these block and these brick? Now, you know, you've got enough judgment to know why that could not be done. Had that been done, this building would not have survived until this day. These heavy trucks going up and down this highway, thousands upon thousands of them every day, would have literally shook this building down had it not been for that foundation. And we ought to thank God a thousand times Brother Sparks put that kind of foundation down. When this church was born, you newcomers at Tabernacle, this road here was just a, a one-lane road, an asphalt road, two lines of traffic, one going, one coming. That's all it was right here on this side. This side was the same thing. Now you've got a four-lane highway out here on this side and an improved highway on this side. And when this church was born, we'd have a little traffic on the White Horse Road. But now, brother, there's no highway in South Carolina that carries more traffic than that highway. And if it were not for the good foundation, oh, brother, the building would have been gone. It would have disintegrated. But the foundation is there. And it's been a long time, 56 down until this day, and the building is still standing. And so far as I can discern, all these trucks haven't touched it, haven't done one bit of damage to it. As far as I know, the trucks haven't done one bit of damage to this building. And they've gone by and shook it every day we live, night and day. But it still stands. Foundation, foundation, foundation. That's the secret. That's the secret. I don't care how pretty it is out of the ground. The important thing is what you've got under the ground that makes the building stand. Now I use that as an illustration to say that it matters not what kind of church you build on the outside. If it's not properly founded, it'll not stand. I'm convinced of that, brethren, as much as anything in the world. And when I say I'm a Baptist, when I say I believe certain things, it isn't that I want to alienate myself from anybody. It isn't that I think I'm better than anybody else. God forbid. Somebody said, you Baptist, you think you're something. You folk at Tabernacle, you think you're something. No, my friend, you missed the point. I don't think I'm a whit better than anybody else in Greenville. Fact is, I'm not as good as many people are. I wish I could be a better man. I don't think that I'm better than anybody. I'm simply trying to extol the fact that a foundation is essential. It's not a matter of what I want. It's a matter of the prosperity of this church that a foundation be down where it is. Now, doctrine is that foundation upon which we build our church. And no church can survive. In fact, no church ought even be instituted 
until it's got a proper foundation. And you institute one without a proper foundation, it can't survive. The first test, the first storm, will soon carry it away. Number two, doctrine, the foundation upon which we build our church. Number two, the source of blessed assurance. The source, doctrine, the source of blessed assurance. Now, wait a minute. How do I know that I'm coming out of the grave? I never have seen a grave that I thought was attractive. I never have coveted one. I never have seen a casket that I thought was pretty. Now, I've seen them that I thought was fine and elaborate. But I've never seen a casket I desired to buy and carry home and put in the basement. And look at it every once in a while and rub the dust off of it. I don't plan to buy one. Somebody will have to get one for me. I don't plan to buy one for myself. No. Well, how do I know I'm coming out of the grave? We, my wife and I, already have a burial place out here on the woodlawn. And if Jesus doesn't soon come, they're going to put her body there in mine. And we'll be buried there beside that of our child. That's not a very pleasant hope. In fact, that's not a hope at all. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm talking about the source of blessed assurance. I want to say to you that I have something better than that that I can look forward to. Because this Bible tells me about the day when the trumpet's going to sound. And the shout of God's going to be a reality. And the dead in Christ are going to get up. And I'm in Christ. That means that someday I'm coming out. Well, how do you know, preacher? Doctrine, doctrine. The doctrine of the resurrection tells me that I'm coming out. Therefore, I can stand by that hole in the ground and sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I can stand at that hole in the ground and sing, he lives. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Doctrine, the source of blessed assurance. Now, I wouldn't have any blessed assurance of the resurrection apart from the doctrine of the resurrection of our Lord. Now, you take the doctrine away from me, all I've got to look forward to is that hole in the ground. And I can't shout over that. I can't get excited about that. I don't especially desire that. Desire that. But my doctrine of the resurrection tells me, preacher, they may bury you, but they can't keep you buried. You may die, but you're coming out. That's what doctrine tells me. Don't take it from me. Oh, but say, preacher, nothing to it. You peddle that somewhere else. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. Would you take from me my only hope? Would you destroy and take from me the only thing, bright thing I can look forward to in the future of the resurrection? You're cruel. You're heartless. You're ruthless. To take that away from me, God forbid. Let me hold to that doctrine, the blessed assurance, and the source of it. Then number three, the basis of Christian fellowship is doctrine. The basis of Christian fellowship. We had a young man come in here yesterday. I don't know who the man was. I never saw him, but one time, Brother Clifford and Brother Melvin was talking to him when I arrived. I just got a glance of him. I, couldn't, I wouldn't recognize him if he would walk into the door. I guess Brother Clifford and Brother Melvin would, but I wouldn't. But this young man breezed into Greenville from another state, having heard about Dr. Green and having heard about Tabernacle Baptist Church. I don't think he knew me, but he'd heard about Tabernacle Baptist Church. I'd never heard of the man, never seen him. Don't know. I have the faintest idea who he was. But uh, he was all fouled up. So reports Melvin and Clifford to me. 
doctrinally, doctrinally he was all fouled up. Now suppose we'd uh, uh, brought this man into our church and, and uh, give him a place in the amen corner or give him a place up in the choir or gave him a Sunday school class to teach or a department to superintend. Oh, brother, that would be destructive. A house divided against itself can't survive. Our children would have felt the effect of that. The church would have been shaken from center to circumference with that kind of a thing. Why, the man didn't believe in Baptist doctrine at all. He believed some strange ideas about the scriptures and about doctrine. And it would have been the most deadly thing in the world had Brother Melvin put his arm about his neck and said, now, brother, it doesn't make much difference what you believe. You just come right on and make yourself at home and we'll recognize you as one of our good brethren and we'll uh, push you forward and we'll present you to the congregation and we'll recommend you. Doesn't make much difference. We're not tight laced. No, just tell you the truth about Melvin Clifford about get on that fellow before I got here. They was, they was working him over. And that fellow left in a huff. And he was all upset. And the reason he was upset because Clifford and Melvin wouldn't budge. Amen, brother. They said, here's what we believe. And said, you're all fouled up. You're wrong. They said, here's what we believe. Amen. If I'd have been you, I'd have said amen. Just give it to them, boys. That's what we believe. You can't have fellowship with a man like that. You can't. As much as you may desire it, you can't have fellowship with that kind of a man. He's not seeking fellowship. He's seeking to pervert. He's seeking to destroy He's seeking to convert to his strange ideas. And we can't have fellowship with a person like that. How can two walk together except they be agreed? Now I'm talking about doctrine. And doctrine is the basis of Christian fellowship. Now I love everybody. There's not anybody in the world I hate. Not, not the first man. I hate nobody. I love people. I love you. I love everybody. But there's some people I can't fellowship with that claim to be Christians. And the reason I cannot fellowship with them is because of their ideas about the scriptures, their doctrines in relation to the Bible. I can't fellowship with them. And I'd be a foolish man to try. Not only would I corrupt my own position, but I would corrupt your position. I would corrupt my wife. I would corrupt my children. I would corrupt your children. I would corrupt our Bible Institute. I would corrupt the day school. I couldn't do it. No. You say, well, you think you you draw yourself righteous rags about you. You Baptist people, you think you have a corner on the... No, no, my friend. The only thing we're asking is that we'll be agreed. And there's some things we just have to be agreed about. And we can't fellowship apart from agreeing relative to the basic doctrines of the Bible. Now, I say this with all due respect, but this is the reason I don't uh, participate in the Greenville Ministerial Association. I'm one of the oldest pastors in this county in years of service, but I've never been part of the Greenville Ministerial Association. Never will be. I can't sit down with those that believe in the sacraments, those that believe in baptismal regeneration. I can't sit down with those. And you can't either if you've got convictions, you see. You say, well, you, you insult them. No, I wouldn't insult them. I'd speak to them. I'd be nice and polite as I could. But I couldn't invite a man to come preach in my pulpit that preached baptismal regeneration. I couldn't invite a Pentecostal preacher to preach in this pulpit. Couldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. 
I wouldn't invite a man that would preach the sacraments to preach in the pulpit of tabernacle because we don't agree with that, you see. The basis of Christian fellowship is doctrine. Then number four, the anchor into which we tie our faith is doctrine. Doctrine becomes the security of the saints of God. I tie my hope, I tie my faith to certain doctrine in the Bible. And that doctrine becomes an anchor to my soul. I drop it into the sea of life and it holds me steady in every storm that I may have in my journey. Doctrine is the security of every believer in this building. Now, we, we teach and preach the tabernacle the doctrine of justification by faith. I believe that. That a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith, Romans 3.27. I believe that with all my heart. Now, suppose I would, I would have set that aside. Suppose I would say now, I believe in faith, but I believe water baptism with it. Then you'd destroy my anchor. Well, I believe in faith, but I believe in sacraments with it. You'd destroy my anchor. You'd destroy my security. And it wouldn't be long until I wouldn't know whether I was going or coming, whether I was standing or being offended. I wouldn't know. But I believe in faith. It's faith that does the work. The just shall live by faith. And that doctrine becomes an anchor that secures me in the Lord. Then number five, doctrine, the milestones on the highway to God. And I mark you as you make your way to God, you leave the highway that's well marked with the milestones and you're going to foul yourself up. And those milestones along the highway are doctrines. And if you miss one of those milestones and get off that highway, you're headed for trouble. You'll never know God. You'll never arrive at destination. You'll never be saved if you leave the highway that's well marked by doctrine. Doctrine. How can they believe on one in whom they've not heard? How can they hear without a preacher? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel of the grace of God. This matter of doctrine is so vitally important as we pilgrimage toward heaven. Then number six, doctrine, the truth, the truth about God. Everything I need to know about God is written down in the Bible in the way of doctrine. The omnipotence of God, clearly taught in the Bible. The omniscience of God, clearly taught in the Bible. The omnipresence of God, clearly taught in the Bible. The forbearance of God, clearly taught in the Bible. The grace of God, clearly taught in the Bible, you see. The judgment of God, clearly taught in the Bible. The atonement of God, every truth I know about God. Bible, doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. Now you leave that. You just leave one doctrine of God. And you'll make shipwreck of your faith and shipwreck of your soul. You'll never find your way to the port and to the harbor if you leave one single doctrine. Suppose a man started to God and he'd say, Now, I believe God is, but I don't believe that he's all-powerful. That means omnipotent. I just don't accept the omnipotence of God. I believe God's great, but he's not omnipotent. What I mean you that believe the Bible believe that he's not only great, but that there's none greater. We believe in the omnipotence of God. And you try to find your way to God not believing in God's omnipotence, you're going to stumble down the road and you'll never get to God. 
You see how important it is that the doctrines, the doctrines, the doctrines be embraced. And then again, doctrine, the water from which we grow into maturity. And you'll never grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord except you drink of this water. Doctrine is the water that nourishes my soul and grows me into spiritual maturity. You know, one of the fascinating uh, aspects of the ministry is to watch God do what he does. And usually a pastor does a lot of that. There's not much we can do but sow the seed and, and carry the water, and God does the rest. And it's a very fascinating thing to watch God work. And I've seen the Lord take uh, men and just snatch them up by the nap of the neck, so to speak, and save them to my utter surprise and sometimes to their utter surprise also. And uh, after they get saved, they, they're in a tailspin. They don't know where to stop. They don't understand what it's all about. And I don't either. I don't understand why God does some things he does. I, I, can, I, I too am in a tailspin when that happens. But I've seen it happen so many times. And then I watch the Lord start them out. And I watch them grow. And they, they begin to get in the book and they begin to read. And they begin to ask questions. They begin to get their feet settled. And the tailspin slows down. And after a while it stops. And here they are standing. <laughs> standing like I stand. Standing like Brother Aiken stands. Standing like the deacon stand. And a few days ago, what he saved, God get him saved and get him in and establish him. And then I watch him grow in grace and knowledge until he becomes a real giant in the Lord. That's a fascinating thing to watch that process. And God does that. And you know what does that? It's the water of doctrine that proves to be the source of maturity to that newborn babe. There's nothing in the Bible, as far as our church is concerned and our maturity is concerned, more important than doctrine. So don't ever smile or excuse doctrine. Somebody criticizes Tabernacle for being tight-laced. Uh, don't you try to justify me and don't try to excuse me. Don't try to take up from me. Let them criticize me. Just stand for the truth. Just stand for the Bible. Stand for what the Bible says. And if you have any doubt about what the Bible says, you come talk with me and I'll try to help you understand what the Bible says in the way of doctrine, basic, elementary, foundation upon which we build our spiritual houses. May we bow our heads in prayer. Father, I thank you for truth. Ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And these in this building that have grown to maturity with the water of doctrine, how we appreciate them. What a source of encouragement they are to us as we look upon them and watch them grow and develop and mature and become strong and nurtured in the Lord. How proud we are of them. We thank you for every young convert, every new convert. We pray you'll bless them, each one. And Lord, give us other newborn babes that we might develop them and grow them into full-grown believers full-grown Christians in this wicked and dark world in which we live. And grant that at Tabernacle always we shall champion the basic doctrines of the Bible. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet, everybody. Stand in. We thank you for listening to the Tabernacle Pulpit Podcast. 
If this sermon was a blessing to you, please share and invite others to listen and join us next time on the Tabernacle Pulpit Podcast.